Open the Word of God with me this morning, please, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. As I read you 12 verses that close out Romans chapter 8, please be thinking about the word love that shows up in verse 28, 35, 37, and 39. Be thinking about all of the blessings that are just briefly mentioned in these 12 verses that are our gifts from God. They are numerous. They are overwhelming. Amen. And I would just like you to be thinking that almost every phrase is introducing a further blessing from God to his children. I would like you to remember this verse. 1 John 4.19 We love him because he first loved us. Amen. And our love of God is not because we were moved by the notion that God loved us first. We love him because his love affected and changed and altered us, regenerating us and causing us to love him. He drew us to him with the cords of a man. He has loved us with an everlasting love, and he has drawn us and changed us, causing us to love him. So it says, we love him because he first loved us. You'll see our love and you'll see God's love in this passage and keep that order in mind that we only love him because he loved us and changed us and caused us, changing our nature to love him. So that our love of him is an evidence of our eternal life. It's not a condition. There's nothing about faith or believing on Jesus in these 12 verses. It's about love. It's the only condition that's mentioned. And it's not a condition. It's a condition of evidence. It's the result of God's love toward us. I read to you, beginning at verse 28, 12 wonderful verses where these blessings that are described are wrapped up in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and all of them are absolutely certain and sure to all of God's elect called here, his predestinated ones. And we shall never be separated from these blessings or his love. Amen. This passage, if I can read it slowly and you'll think about it meditatively, is overwhelming. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen Amen and amen. Verse 28, we know. Do you know? Do you know that all those things listed in verse 35, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, all work together for good? These were persecuted Christians. We don't know anything about the P word persecution. All we know about is the P word prosperity, pleasure, protection, peace. We're pampered. Do you know? Look in verse 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. All things don't work together for good to those other, to other people. This is not some little candy cane to hand out on a street corner by street preachers who don't have a thing about them related to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never preached on a street corner. The Bible plainly tells us that he didn't do that. That's a ridiculous disturbance of the peace. Jesus wouldn't lift up his voice in the street. You know what it says that in the Bible? How in the world do these kids from Bob Jones University go downtown Greenville and open their big mouths and disrupt the peace? They ought to be thrown in jail. Do you know that all things work together for good to them that love God? This doesn't talk about believing on Jesus or inviting him into your heart or anything like that. It's a whole different level. It's the love of God. Those that love God have the great evidence that they are truly the Lord's children. Because believing on Jesus, the devils believe on Jesus. The Bible tells us they believe on Jesus. The Bible tells us that our faith is no better than theirs if we don't have works backing it up and proving it. But they don't love. Devils don't love. Love is the greatest grace in the New Testament. It's the greatest evidence of eternal life is to love the brethren and to love God. They resent God. They envy God. They want to be like the Most High. But let's love the Lord our God and realize that that's a greater evidence than faith. Remember that we're supposed to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and godliness and patience and We reach all the way up to brotherly kindness and charity, both of which are love, which are the highest measure of a Christian. And so verse 28, and what follows is for them that love God. And if you love God, do you know what it says next about you? 
in that 28th verse? That you've been called according to His purpose. God has a purpose for your life that is good. Because He's chosen you as a vessel of honor. He's chosen you as a vessel of mercy. And He's caused you, moved you, directed you, and drawn you to love Him. Do you love Him this morning? Let's not just believe on Him. Let's love Him. The golden chain of grace in verses 29 and 30 is so absolutely certain that it closes out with the words, And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Using the past tense for an event that hasn't been done yet. We have not been glorified yet. Our glorification is yet in the future. And yet the apostle by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit tells us it's past. Because it is so certain in the predestinating purpose of the living God. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. He has to give us all things. This is logical reasoning from the greater to the lesser. When God gave the gift of his son, which is the greatest gift that he could possibly give, then all the other little gifts that are insignificant in comparison to his son will certainly be given to us. That's the argumentation of Romans 8.32. When it says us all, You know, there are people that actually read the Bible and think that Romans was written to people in Haywood Mall. Romans 8.32 wasn't written to people in Haywood Mall. Romans 8.32 was written to the saints and the beloved elect of God that were in the city of Rome. And Paul, as the apostle writing to them, used that plural, first person pronoun, us. This doesn't apply to the world. Romans 8, 32 and 28 and 35 and 29 and the rest of these verses apply to God's children. Because it says, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God gave his son for every single person that's ever been born, then every single person that's ever been born is going to obtain all the other things that are associated with Jesus Christ, and that is not the truth. Therefore, God only gave his son for the elect, which is what the rest of the Bible freely teaches. We love that that 32nd verse. Because if God spared not his own son for us, he will give us everything else. So much so that who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? A fool as a teenager, a rebel, a sinner in my life, a sinner after my ordination. Who shall lay anything to my charge? It is God that justifieth. But I find that all those in hell, in Revelation 21 and verse 8 and 22, 15, are there because they're liars. They're adulterers, they're whoremongers, they're blasphemers. It says all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. We can lay things to their charge. The Bible lays things to their charge because they were not justified by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage is wonderful. Who can condemn you? Christ died and it's at the right hand of God. You know I've tried to point out to you from this 34th verse, and Romans 5.10, and Hebrews 7.34, that there is something that the Bible elevates in a way above the death of Christ. Notice that 34th verse. 
Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. We understand that so far. No one can condemn us because Christ died to pay for our sins. Yea, rather. Let me add something that's even a little bit better. Christ died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, is sitting at God's right hand, and he's not sitting there retired on the job. He is sitting there working the work of intercession of a great high priest for us. He'll never let us be lost. No one can condemn us. No one can lay anything to our charge, because the one who died for us is right there to remind his heavenly Father. We don't know anything about being killed for the cause of Jesus Christ. All he's asked us to do is to live for him. These people, according to the fulfilled prophecy in their lives with the martyrs that were in Rome, can you imagine being part of a church in the very shadow of the capital and headquarters of the pagan Roman government? Can you imagine Nero being the head official in authority over you? We are killed all the day long. But do you know what it says? Verse 37 is the answer to the question of verse 35. I hope you understand that. 36 is an, is an interposition of a quotation from the Old Testament. Verse 37, nay. The answer is no. The answer is no to the question of verse 35. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Can any of those things listed? No, they cannot separate us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There's that love again. The love of Christ in 35. Him that loved us in verse 37. And then the Apostle Paul said, I am persuaded. He personally gave his testimony, I am persuaded. I am fully convinced. There is overwhelming evidence for me to lay hold of this truth. That neither death and he runs through that list that we've memorized maybe since we were children, he runs through that list of things that could possibly discourage a child of God that these things cannot separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The world outside, the vast majority of the Baptist churches in this county, want to say that God the Father loves every single person ever conceived with all the love that he loves anyone. But the vast majority of them are separated from that love forever, which violates these verses. Because these verses say that if God loves someone, it is impossible for them to be separated. There is no creature in heaven, in earth, or in hell that can separate them from that love. His love is ours forever. He's loved us with an everlasting love. He's already glorified us in his perfect plan for our lives. Do you love him? He first loved us, and he's moved us to love him. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we are humbled and overwhelmed by these 12 verses. We believe them. We are persuaded of them. We know them, and we love thee. We know that though we have not suffered the persecution and the difficulties that the Roman saints endured, we know that all things have worked together for good in our lives, and we thank Thee for every dot that has led us to this morning to be in Your house. We thank Thee for every promise.
every described blessing, every favor, all things, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, no condemnation, no condemning, no charges against us, never to be separated from your love, more than conquerors through him that loved us. We thank thee and praise thee for all these things that thou hast freely given us. And to thee we give all the thanks and all the praise, all the honor and blessing, riches and wisdom forever and ever. Holy Father, forgive us for our sins against thee. With such love coming from thee to us in writing, for us to ever turn and be distracted, be deceived by our lusts, by this world, by the devil. We freely confess that we are foolish and sinful in our old men. And we pray that you will forgive us and have mercy upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ and restore that sweet fellowship, joy, and peace in our salvation with thee this day. We pray, Heavenly Father, that the joy we've already experienced and the reminders that we've already had this morning in prayer in the back room and hear from these verses, we ask your blessing likewise upon every church of saints in the world. Heavenly Father, we do pray for them. Oh Lord, we pray for those strict and particular Baptists in England. We pray for the Reformed Baptists, the Primitive Baptists, the Landmark Baptists, the Sovereign Grace Baptists, and the Founders Memorial Baptists of the Southern Baptist Convention. And those that have laid their hope upon the sovereign work of God, that in their churches the truth will go forth this day and be glorified. Amen. Heavenly Father, where they're in error or, when, or where we are in error, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Amen. We promise thee that if you will show us anything that we should be doing better, any error that we're imbibing, Lord, we'll change it. We'll flush it for thy glory and honor. We love thy truth and we thank thee for revealing it to thy babes and having hid it from the wise and prudent. We bless thee and thank thee for thy preserved scriptures, the King James Bible. We rest upon every word of it. We have bet our lives in this world and in the world to come upon those precious words. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the fruit that you have granted it for 400 years. Your divine stamp of approval upon this version of the Bible, showing that it is your text by the, by the evidence upon it that matches the internal description of what happens where your words go. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ who not only died, who not only rose again, but sits at thy right hand and who perpetually makes intercession for us. O oh Lord, we do not believe in the perseverance of the saints. We believe in the preservation of the saints. And we thank thee that thou hast preserved us in Christ Jesus. Amen. And in him we shall never be lost. Though we may wander, though we may falter, though we may fall ourselves in this world. Oh Lord, the Galatians even fell from grace, but they were never lost. And we thank thee for that confidence that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father in heaven, we live in the greatest nation in the history of the world. We thank thee for it. We thank thee for all the benefits that accrue to us because we're citizens of America. We thank thee for our government. We thank thee for our rulers. O oh Lord, 
even though we worry and fret at times in our weakness, it is nothing like being under Nero in Rome. We pray for our government. We pray for every official from our president down to our local constables. We pray for everyone in between, our congressmen, our judges, our governors. Lord, have mercy upon them and lead and guide them. Preserve and protect them. Keep our nation in the peace and prosperity that we presently enjoy for the sake of our children and our children's children that they might lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. Heavenly Father, we pray that the word of the Lord will have free course and be glorified this day throughout the earth. We pray for our brother Singh in Malaysia, our brother Fang in Malaysia, our brother Arnie Gamalong in the Philippines, our brother Ray Euphra in the Philippines, our brother Gary McDowell in Kazakhstan, Abwama Boanerges in Nigeria. Lord, have mercy upon these men today and bless them mightily. Preserve and protect them. Open their eyes and their mouths that they might declare thy truth plainly to thy people. Be with us here. Heavenly Father, we need thy Holy Spirit. Send thy Spirit among us. We thank thee that by the confidence of Scripture, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is walking among his seven golden candlesticks, this church being one of them. But, O Lord, do not take that candlestick away from us, but leave us thy Spirit, lest this organism turn into an organization lest we end up in the congregation of the dead, going through the motions without your Spirit among us. Draw nigh to us, Heavenly Father. Fill each of us. Stir us up. Open the Word of God to us. Take our minds away from the things of this life and this world and bless us. We need Thee. We can do nothing without Thee, but with Thee all things are possible. We humble ourselves before Thee. Oh, Lord, we're going to sing here in a moment. We're not going to sing very humbly. We're going to sing confidently and boldly because we are thankful that what we have just read is absolute truth. And upon it, we plant our feet and we shall not be moved if you will keep us. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen.